Welcome to episode 72 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Sacramento trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on your podcast player of choice or by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This show is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Amy Looney Heffernan, Vice President of the Travis Mannion Foundation an organization that works to unite and strengthen communities by developing programs, training opportunities, and events designed to empower veterans and families of the fallen, and then inspire them to pass on their values to the next generation and the community at large. Ever since her late husband, Navy SEAL Lieutenant Brendan Looney, was killed in Afghanistan and awarded the Bronze Star with Valor, Amy Looney has served as an inspirational champion for families of fallen service members, military families, veterans, and American troops. A consistent voice to the national conversation and advocacy of veterans and families of the fallen, Amy is frequently invited to address national audiences through numerous media outlets and multiple personal appearances spanning the U.S. She is the co-author of the book, The Knock at the Door, which will be linked in the show notes. You can find out more about Amy by checking out her bio on our show notes. So let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Amy, great to have you on the show today. I'm a huge fan of the Travis Mannion Foundation, as I mentioned before we started recording, and I'm grateful to be able to highlight the great work that you're doing. Before we get into that, however, I'd like for you to share a bit about your background and what brought you to serving with the Travis Mannion Foundation. Gosh, well, thank you, Duane. It's an honor to be here with you. I'll give a little bit of a backstory. So my late husband, Brendan Looney, served as a Navy SEAL and he was killed in action on September 21st of 2010. And Brendan was Travis Mannion's roommate at the United States Naval Academy. And they were very close friends. I had known Travis. Brendan and I had started dating back when we were in college. And I went to Johns Hopkins and he was at the Naval Academy. So I got to know Travis very well. Obviously, Travis was killed about three and a half years prior to Brendan, he was serving in Iraq on his second tour and was shot and killed by an enemy sniper and was trying to rescue two of his teammates to bring them into safety and gave his life in service to our country on April 29th of 2007. So Brendan and I were very devastated by the death of Travis. We had never lost anyone. We were obviously very young at the time, but hearing about people dying in war was something that just seemed like that those things happened to people that we didn't know. So it was very hard for us to just conceptualize what life would be like without our friend, let alone knowing Travis's family very well and wanting to be there and support them. So I watched Brendan go through that and really just was in awe of how he took his Navy SEAL training and really dedicated it to the memory of his friend, Travis. He really pushed through obstacles. And I think Travis's 
legacy and what Travis stood for is what really motivated him. And I watched that for several years while Brendan was going through SEAL training. And sadly, just days before Brendan was supposed to return back to our home at the time, we were living in San Diego. Brendan was killed in a helicopter crash on his last and final combat mission of that deployment in Afghanistan. So my world was turned upside down and I immediately was just in awe of how my military family, my military community, everyone around me, the spouses, Brennan's teammates, so many people just stepped up and were there for me in a way that I didn't even know that I needed that help or that support. So I really turned to this idea of wanting to give back because I just saw how important it was for me to give back to those that had given me so much in my time of need after Brennan's death. You know, it's definitely an impact. Those of us who have served, and I don't want to say necessarily those of us who have served or experienced the current conflicts, because this is the same in the Gulf War. This is the same Vietnam. This is the same, honestly, even in peacetime deaths in, in Cold War. But the loss of loved ones, either the loved ones you served with or the loved ones that were your family, really create not just an immediate impact in your life, but really that lifelong impact Obviously, your husband's reaction to Travis's death, but also then compounding that, your reaction to his loss. Yeah, it was, I never envisioned, Brendan decided and told me that he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. I think I must have been very naive to think that bad things couldn't happen to good people. And I think it really struck me after we lost Travis, and then three and a half years later, losing Brendan on top of that loss of Travis was really hard because it made me really take a step back and realize the impact that it has not only on watching Brendan's teammates and how they've struggled with it, but also the impact that it has on the the families. Obviously myself, um, watching Brendan's family go through losing a brother, losing a son. There's just so many challenges that come up and it's hard to manage. You really have to lean into what works for you. And that's something that I've always shared. Not everyone's healing looks the same. I like to go out and be serving and giving back. And that's something that's important to me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that another gold star spouse is going to feel that healing is done through the same way. And I think that's important for people to recognize is live your own journey and follow your own path and what resonates with you? What are you passionate about? What do you find helpful in healing? I see so many people trying to, well, this worked for this person, so let me do it. And I think it's okay to try things, but I also think you have to go with your gut and recognize, don't force it. When something's helpful, it's there to be an aid and a support. And I think you have to lean into that when you find what's right for you. And I think as as you said, there's a need to understand the reasons for the loss of a loved one. But I think for many service members, veterans, family members, that there's a need to make the loss have meaning. Like you said, through service in some ways, or maybe it's just a quiet remembrance or things like that. But I think obviously when we have traumatic loss, whether it is tragically perhaps through a non-combat death like a vehicle accident or, or sudden illness or something like that. But especially when someone loses their life in service, there's a desire to make meaning of their loss in their sacrifice to service. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was, I think what gave me peace is knowing that if Brennan was doing what he loved to do, and I think not that anyone wants to choose how or when they will die, 
But I think if you would have asked him if he had the choice, he was doing what he wanted to do. And if that was him putting his life on the line, he was willing to do that. And I, as hard as these last 11 years have been for me in many ways, lots of ups and downs, I do find peace knowing that he was doing what he was passionate about and what he loved and what gave him a sense of purpose in life. And in some of that, and again, I've lost those that I served with and in a lot of what I do, I continue on and I think of them obviously in, in their legacy. And that's really what the Travis Mannion Foundation is and what you do is to carry on the legacy. Obviously, Travis Mannion Foundation has a very good reputation in the military support space for a number of reasons. But for those who may not be as familiar with the Travis Mannion Foundation, what can you tell us about the organization in general and help the listeners understand more about it? Yeah, absolutely. We really see the value that the military community holds, the value that our veterans bring. They're such assets within their own realm. And I think sometimes when people aren't connected with the military community, they don't necessarily understand the value add that those individuals want to contribute within their own communities. So we believe that providing programming, investing in our veteran community, investing in our Gold Star families and our military community as a whole, it has so much reward because when you invest in them and you train and provide them with leadership development, they then in turn feel empowered to go out and be of value and of service within their own communities all across the country. And I think with so much negativity in our world that we live in today, it's so incredible to see individuals stepping up and being servant leaders right in their own backyards, making a difference, being of value and impacting and mentoring young adults across the country. I think it really embodies the work that we do in such a strong way that we live by the words that Travis Mannion spoke before he left for that last and final deployment, if not me, then who? And I think no matter what program, whatever athletic event, however you get involved with Travis Mannion Foundation, it's really about living those five words. If I don't step up and do it, then who else will? You know, it's interesting. You use the word investment. And obviously we think about investment as you put money into something, you put some resources into something and you will gain something much greater later, right? That that is going to grow. I, I had the opportunity to visit the Naval Academy uh, several times. I live here in Colorado, the Air Force Academy, West Point. They say it's an Ivy League education, shoved down your throat a nickel at a time, but it is an investment. And you think about the investment in your husband, in Travis, that then paid off that much more. Right? So that's what the military does is through basic training and, and all of the years of dragging my face through the dirt. That's what the military does with its service members with the expectation that there will be much more to come. And that has been proven. And the idea of organizations like Travis Mannion Foundation compounding that investment, so to speak, continuing to invest with a further expected outcome. Absolutely. Because, you know, the goal is for them to continue not only serving their time in the military, but then going out and being of value in their own communities and with their own friends and their own networks. I think a lot of people look up to those that have worn the uniform. And I think it's also interesting because sometimes there can be a little bit of a level of intimidation. Like I have a neighbor here that found out current husband, Joel, he served in the Marine Corps. And a lot of people were immediately intimidated when we moved into the neighborhood. They're like, I don't want to talk to this Marine. He's terrifying. And then I think as they got to know him and recognize, hey, he just wants to help you snow blow your driveway. Like he wants to do things that are value and of importance because it's just been 
embedded in him to give back and to serve and to help others. I think that's just something that I see a lot across the board within our military community is that selfless service. I think one of the unique things about the Travis Mannion Foundation, very similar to other organizations like the Mission Continues or Team Rubicon or Team RWB, is that the Travis Mannion Foundation provides a way for veterans to engage in their community. If someone wanted to go engage through fitness, then RWB is your place. You want to engage through disaster relief, obviously Team Rubicon. Here's one of a spectrum of choices, but the Travis Mannion Foundation specifically supports giving back through mentorship to another generation. Yeah, I, I, and I really believe while we activate through service and athletic events as other ways to engage, I think what really sets us apart is that we leverage our veterans to play mentors to young adults across the country. The fact that we've worked with over 400,000 youth across the nation, I think is incredible. And the fact that we, like I said, trained and invested and taught our mentors to go out and facilitate this program, talking to young kids about what are your values? What are you going to stand by? And how will you show up for certain situations? And I think what better of a way for our military community and specifically our veterans to be of service and be able to share some of the things that they learn. It's not about training them to say, oh, you should go out and serve in the military. It's about showing them their experiences. Maybe you choose not to serve or wear a uniform, but there's so many ways that you can give back and be of value and be someone that is a person of character. And I think that's such an important message that our youth really need to have, especially in this day and age. And it also taps into something that veterans as former service members are very experienced at. I got a, a mosquito wings pinned on my collar and then they said, there's a person to your left to you that's lower ranking that you now have responsibility for all the way up through my, my senior NCO ranks is that mentorship, that teaching aspect, that guidance, that, that professional development, even personal development. So there's a natural need and desire, I think, for veterans to be able to pass on or relive some of that mentorship experience. And there's not a lot of that in the post-military life. And Travis Mannion Foundation gives them an opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I think to your point, Duane, mentorship is something already taught to you through your time in the military. So it's so incredible to see them being able to pay it forward as they go out and talk to these young adults. Because like you said, they're already trained to do that. It's what you know, and it's what you do. And I think it's, it's just so valuable to see that even though you may have had your time while you've been serving our country, you're still now able to continue serving and being such a value add. And I just, what I've seen that has come through from not only the benefit because the veteran, as you probably understand, is they're finding an additional new meaning, new purpose, being able to give back and see the impact that they're having on these young adults. But then you think about that, really that unintended benefit going to our young adults and what they're able to do in their communities, in their schools, at home, within their own friends and networks. It's, it's really incredible to see how much, given the right mentorship and the right guidance, that they can go out and be a positive role model and impact on themselves. 
and really the opportunity for the veteran to be able to do that. So if the the veteran wants to engage, but doesn't know how to, right, they're sitting on their couch, or they may not even understand that they're feeling sort of, you know, unfulfilled or, or empty. And that's really, again, what the Travis Mannion Foundation does it, through your cornerstone program is the Character Does Matter program. And in doing that, you provide not only that opportunity for mentorship and character development to the youth, as you said, but develops that purpose and meaning for the service member and veteran and family members. And it gives them that reason to live, to be honest. It's true. And I think so many times that people don't recognize that. And I think I even go back to just the time during the pandemic, how many of us were isolated. And we had so many of our veterans reaching out saying, hey, can we can we do a Zoom session? Can we do our leadership courses online? They wanted that sense of connection and that that community again, because I think when you're not having that and when that's lacking, that's when things go wrong. You need that support. You need that community. And I think it's so important to each of us. I know, and I was telling you, Dwayne, earlier, as a Gold Star spouse, like when when I lost Brendan and my husband died, I lost a lot of my identity. And it took me a while to figure out what was going to play a role in helping shape that back for me. And that's where, again, the idea of the Character Does Matter program, this is this is a very specific program. As you mentioned, there's leadership training, but this actually trains veterans, not necessarily the how to mentor, but actually has a, a constructed element to it that allows veterans to be able to engage with youth in a very structured way. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So veterans, they will be trained by our team on our curriculum, and we will go into middle school and high schools, sometimes even colleges and universities across the country and work with thousands of students. Sometimes we do things in smaller groups through our leadership courses where it'll be over a course of multiple weeks where we break down the curriculum. We'll talk a little bit about each of the different values and things that are associated with that, different character strengths. And what they will do is do a more of like a experiential type of approach to things. So there might be an activity or something to help reinforce some of the lessons and things that they're being taught and what they're able to learn from that. So it's really neat to see the different ways that we're able to deliver and facilitate that. Sometimes we go in, like Ryan Manning, our president, she'll go in and talk to high school students who are looking to come to the Naval Academy. And she'll speak to 2000 of them at one time doing just a presentation talking about if not me, then who and how you can live that and incorporate that into your life through our character curriculum. So I think it's just really powerful to see that there's a way to facilitate it and deliver it that really resonates for each of the veterans that are out there being the mentor to those young adults. And I think a, an, another aspect of this is, as you said, it's, it's introducing these concepts of character to young men and women who may not be familiar. I don't want to say that they don't have character, but those of us who are engaged in the military community, we live it every day, but we are a very small community. And a lot of these stories, like Travis's story, may not be widely known. And the character traits and the values aspect, the values-driven aspect of his life may not be familiar to many young men and women. And this is a way for them to understand that most of my cousins have never left the county that we grew up in, that there's really not that broad awareness of of the the wider values and character systems that many service members hold. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things that I love about the program is the fact that a lot of our veteran mentors, they can actually not only share Travis and Brendan's story, but they can also 
pick their own fallen hero, that they're honoring and sharing different values that they live by, what they stood for. And I think that just touches on the larger point of the importance of, especially with Memorial Day, honoring the legacy of our fallen heroes, making sure that their names are spoken, understanding the lives that they lived and the importance behind them. To me, when you continue to speak someone's name, you share their stories, they're still with us in very many ways. And I think there's so much that we can learn from our fallen and the stories and the lives that they shared. And Amy, you haven't used the term healing, but it truly is that, right? It's healing for those of us who are honoring those that we've lost, but it can also be considered healing for, to be honest, a nation and and even a couple of generations that might need healing at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all, like I said earlier, we all find things to lean into that are helpful for us. But I think for me, this the most effective way that I could heal. And I don't know if I'll ever fully be 100%, but I think it's become such a part of my life that I've figured out how to embrace it and make something positive. I think we all struggle in many ways. And I think finding, I went through a lot of grief counseling. I had a wonderful therapist that I loved and adored and She really helped me through a lot of things, but I think this was like my tangible way to be able to give back. So for me, it was the combination of both that really created this great healing process for me. No, I think that's amazing. And and also someone who has not experienced traumatic loss doesn't necessarily, you don't need to be someone who has experienced that traumatic loss to be involved with the Travis Mannion Foundation or, or any of these organizations, but it is definitely something that can help. So if folks wanted to find out more about the Travis Mannion Foundation, some of the programs get involved if they have the desire to, how can they do that? Yeah, I would. And to your point, Dwayne, Travis Mannion Foundation is for everyone. It's for civilians, military community, gold star families. So there is something for everyone. So I would encourage you if you just go to our website at travismanion.org in the upper top corner, there is a box that says join the mission. And you can check exactly where you fit in, whether you're a veteran, whether you're an inspired civilian, you can check that box and it will show you all of the different programming and opportunities for ways for you to get involved. Absolutely. And I'll make sure that links to all of those are in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. Once again, this show is brought to you by Sacrummer, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. Sitecomer offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find out more about what they're doing at psycharmor.org. One of the things that you heard from Amy is how healing and recovery, whether it be from grief, adversity, or mental health conditions, comes in many forms. Some of that is clinical. You heard how Amy credits her therapist for helping her understand many things, and some of that is non-clinical. And the clinical and non-clinical healing happens in many different ways for many different people as well. The idea that there is one single intervention or method, clinical or not, that will heal every service member, veteran, and their family is simply not true. Think about it this way. When you walk into a grocery store, you have two things on your shopping list, cereal and candy. Not sure why those are the only two things on your list, but maybe your partner sent you to the store and you learned a long time ago not to ask questions. So breakfast cereal and candy, easy choices, right? But if you walk down the cereal or the candy aisle lately, you have 80 linear feet, five shells high of different choices. My favorite breakfast cereal or candy bar is probably not your favorite. 
And my favorite today is definitely not my favorite from 20 years ago. Paths to recovery and healing are like that. What worked for me may not work for you. And what works for you today may not be what worked for you 20 years ago. One method of healing may be sufficient for a period of time and then something happens and you need another method. When it comes to cereal or candy, however, you have self-awareness around what you like and what you don't like. And you can tell by looking at the package whether it has what you like and there aren't significant consequences if you choose something you don't like. Choosing paths to healing, however, whether clinical or non-clinical, aren't as easy to understand or learn about. And that's where organizations like the Travis Mannion Foundation come in. Just like many of the other organizations that we've highlighted on the show, the way that they accomplish their mission is by caring about and ensuring the welfare of those who choose to join them. Finding a trusted group of people, even if they're just a bit farther along the healing journey than you are, is a great way to figure out what's going to help you and those you support to heal and recover. The other point that I'd like to make is something else that Amy mentioned, how veterans and their family members have a wide range of skills that are developed as part of affiliation with the military service. You don't just come out of the military with occupational skills. You come out of the military with life skills. And I don't mean just the ability to stand in the rain for hours at a time or march in a group in unison for no reason, but something like the desire and ability to mentor and support others. One of my earliest lessons as a young leader was that a non-commissioned officer is a teacher. Maybe not like a school teacher, although I know a lot of veterans who are school teachers, but someone who teaches others something. One of the things that any good leader knows how to do is to teach someone else how to do the thing that they know how to do. There are a wide range of things that we learn from the military, both about ourselves and about the world. Psychology. I first became interested in the psychology of motivation and needs fulfillment when I was working as an Army recruiter. Planning logistics, leadership theory, interdependent relationships and networking, conflict management on both individual and group levels. These are all things that I developed while I was in the military and examples of some of the skills that many veterans developed during their military service. And military spouses develop an entire host of skills themselves. I was having a conversation with a colleague recently who is both a Department of the Army employee as well as a military spouse. And she mentioned the wide range of volunteer positions that she had been in throughout her family's time in the military. There are so many skills beyond just the service member's occupation that are developed while in the military. This may be preaching to the choir for a lot of you, although the occupational skill trap is one that many veterans fall into as well. But again, organizations like the Travis Mannion Foundation know this. They're built around not Lieutenant Mannion's occupational specialty, but around his values, how he lived and expressed them, and how his sacrifice embodied them. So kudos to them for allowing other service members, veterans, their families, and those who support them to have a way to continue their service and put the skills that they develop to good use. So hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Amy. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by dropping us a review on your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at For this week's Psych Armor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the link to the Psych Armor course, Why Veterans Are an Invaluable Resource to the Community. In this course, you will learn about why taking the time to embark on a collaboration journey can ensure that veterans and their families unlock their full potential and apply their invaluable skills back into their communities. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in your podcast player of choice, as well as at psychomer.org forward slash podcast. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. 
All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.